Every handwriting analysis session reveals something new and unique not only for the person whose handwriting is being analyzed but also for the person who's analyzing it for a graphologist like me though you can see the strokes which are familiar and the mathematical probabilities of combining some behavioral traits together the real stories woven in those strokes are always more lyrical however Once in a while you meet someone who demands that you stay active on your toes be all alert and agile answer each question with as much gravitas as possible as you know that the other person is an intelligent sharp-witted wordsmith Welcome to Absolutely Right the very first graphology based podcast show in India I'm your host Aditi Surana I am a graphologist and a high performance coach I'm elated to introduce you to today's guest Rochelle Pinto who's the founding editor of Tweak India a digital media company built by multitaskers for multitaskers before joining hands with Twinkle Khanna in her current organization Rochelle led the digital teams at some of India's most respected publications including GQ and L she's also a published author with two books to her name one of them is co-authored with Karina Kapoor Khan She has taught at numerous institutes in Mumbai and can be heard discussing fashion on Radio 1. As you listen to this episode, keep your own handwriting sample handy. I will be analyzing Rochelle's writing, but we'll be talking about some handwriting strokes that you can find in your own writing. You make sure that you listen to the popular segments of the show Autograph Please and the Graphology Tool of the Week. In autograph please I will be looking at Rochelle's signature and talk about how she is misunderstood by people around her especially in her case how she is wrongly perceived as an intimidating one The second segment graphology tool of the week is designed for you to learn parts of graphology and see what it talks about your personality Look at who is the dominating one today by seeing some specific overlapping strokes in your signature Rochelle has already sent her handwriting sample. She'll be joining me on the other side of this short break. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another great week on the IVM Podcast Network. If you are not following us on social media, please do. We're IVM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Storytel and TheWholeTruthFoods.com. So, great week on the network. Number of really, really interesting shows for you guys to check out. Here are a couple of the ones that I would like to highlight for you. Check out This Round is on Me. Gauri Devi Dayal talks to her husband Jay Yusuf about mixing business and pleasure. They're the husband and wife part business partners at Food Matters Company. Give it a shot, really fun show. On Nankari they speak about Chaat, the queen of the street foods. A fun episode, they canvass the beauty and romance of street food, its cultural importance in a city, and they also discuss the unfortunate harassment that street vendors sometimes go through. On Pesa Vesa we had Madhuchanda they join Anupam talking about the budget and the different aspects of it. Storytellers and Storytellers features Shreyansh Pandey, creator of Gulak, a great conversation and some interesting insights into facilitating and nurturing writers. Do check that out. On Thalehrate, the Kannada podcast, Mansi Prasad spoke to Pawan Srinath about the history and appreciation of Indian music. It's a really interesting conversation. They discuss classical music and how it evolved in India, what are the various musical instruments and how they developed. Really, really fun, interesting stuff. And with that, let me get you back to your show. Welcome to Absolutely Right. So I have your handwriting in front of me. Before I dive in, do you have any question for me? I'm just a little nervous, Aditi. I don't know. I feel like uh, quite naked, even though I'm fully dressed. I assure you, uh, but I'm very, 
very <laughs> eager to see uh, you know what you have in store for me graphology honestly i've i've had one experience with uh, a graphologist before and it was okay. illuminating so wow. i'm excited very excited thank you for having me thank you for joining us now when i look at your writing first of all i must say that what you wrote was so funny and so witty it was a treat to read <laughs> thank you generally i do not read the content of the writing sample but i just couldn't resist myself it was so well written so thank you <laughs> there was a lot of pressure your uh, producer rashi was like write anything and my mind immediately <laughs> went into like anxiety mode <laughs> now first thing that that stood out when i looked at your writing was your ability to playfully and in an imaginative way plan and execute your creative ideas okay Okay, and I'm saying this because the way you write your letter F, it mm-hmm. has both the loops completely formed, and also has a little knot in the middle. Mm. So you make like a you know a nice bloated F letter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that talks about how imaginative you are with each plan and how you manage to execute things not exactly as per your plan. but in a way managing the end result in mind right. and deliver on it however there mm-hmm. is always some complicated and interesting story to tell uh, because you're planning and execution somehow people won't see it but mm-hmm. you know it always twists and turns and somehow you manage to still deliver what you do <laughs> that's actually i would say spot on um <laughs> because i have a very short attention span somehow between coming up with the idea and executing the idea in the middle i kind of forget <laughs> what needs to happen <laughs> um so i learned from a very young age to think on my feet and mm-hmm. you know nothing goes according to plan mostly right. because i myself forget half the time like what the original <laughs> plan was so the ability to adapt i think is something that as a result of exactly what you're saying right like mm-hmm. just between the beginning and the end you what the kitchery that goes into that part, right uh is is often hidden and thank god because otherwise nobody would hire me they'd be like what a chaotic <laughs> creature this person is uh but so far i think uh managed to land on my feet my grandmother used to always say you have to rise to the occasion this is something like she just kept drilling into our heads wow. so no matter what is thrown at you you have to just figure out a way to make the best of it and you actually do that so many times the plans made by other people were given to you and mm-hmm. you were expected I, i wouldn't say that you landed up but you were expected to deliver <laughs> on those plans have you been no. talking to my boss by the time <laughs> or my teachers or my parents? <laughs> yes we tried tried hiring people to talk to all of them so the the whole idea is when you tried that so many times a part of you does not allow you to do it and i'll, I'll tell you where it comes from you see the gaps or discrepancies very easily in any situation you know what you what you express as as funny witty humorous actually comes from those discrepancies that you keep observing throughout the day so when it comes to following other people's ideas to the t half of the time you're not convinced most of the time you see through the gaps and you see the the problems that it would create you know in the future already so when you're dealing with the situation you somehow manage to keep the resistance at bay but land up doing what you choose to do anyways that's such a polite way of saying that i'm stubborn as a mule I, like it's 
This is, please, I'm glad we're recording this because I'm going to use this now in, you know, in all explanations. I'm just going to be like, I'm not stubborn. I just think the discrepancies in your plan and I have a better way of executing it. You're very kind, uh, but that is unfortunately true. No, but I do not agree that you're stubborn. I do not feel you're stubborn. Oh, wow. Okay. Because uh, I'll tell you where I see the difference. And it's also for our listeners to kind of evaluate the situation. Mm -hmm. Stubbornness is about following up on an idea and supporting the idea only and only because it is my idea. Mm -hmm. Because I've already given this idea. I have, you know, invested my time, energy and so-called my ego with Mm -hmm. it. Now I cannot back off. Mm -hmm. This is where a person becomes stubborn. Most stubborn people halfway through their stubbornness get convinced that they shouldn't be stubborn about it, but now they cannot back off. So they continue (laughs) the battle anyways. However, what we are referring to your behavior as firmness, Mm. because you are willing to change if the other person brings in enough logic or, you know, you know, whatever enticing idea, you're willing to change. But until and unless that doesn't happen, you won't budge. Mm, which I, have, I feel is a sign of a stronger person and not a stubborn person <laughs> uh, yes I would say that until perhaps um, my early 20s I was you know exactly as you've described it I think that what's happened ever since I was put in charge of leading teams mm-hmm. is that um, perhaps the ability to let go a little bit and mm. um, you know allow for mistakes to happen even if you know that the mistake is going to happen But you Mm. allow for it to happen because sometimes people just need to see the mistake happen uh, to believe it for themselves and to then sort of learn from it. Exactly. And and come over to your side. So it's the same with parents, right? They keep telling the kids, don't do this, don't do that. But until you kind of do it yourself. True. uh, So my non-existent maternal instinct was (laughs) perhaps electrocuted to life purely because of being put in charge of teams. Mm -hmm. But I think overall it's... it's, uh, made me more collaborative which Mm -hmm. completely yeah not only collaborative also you see now your team as as you know a weird way of saying this but an extension of what all you can achieve together Mm. and that sense of collective um, consciousness is a strong word but you know collective uh, thinking process or the the organism that you become together to deal with a bigger situation and you're enjoying it. You're enjoying leading these projects. You're enjoying exploring larger ideas, which otherwise you knew you couldn't do by yourself, Mm -hmm. which I feel is becoming your new uh, adventure, (laughs) obsession, you know, being able to figure out what all you can do. How can you say things? So going back to the point I was making, because you read between the lines and you are extremely observant. Mm -hmm. So many times you catch people say things and you do not confront them. Okay. You like, you know that people said something which had this gap, but you do not necessarily confront them. Now, Mm -hmm. that is an interesting way of listening to somebody and absorbing what they're saying and Mm. not fighting, not putting up a battle every single time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's not something I would have done when I was younger, but I'm learning to, you know, because I also think that, you know, sometimes people feel that they need to, especially in in a professional environment, people feel like they need to have an answer for a question that's asked or have a response because we're, you know, we're taught to just react very quickly. And sometimes right. what I've learned is that it's not necessarily the entire story mm-hmm. of what people mean to say, or sometimes 
when they are in a spot they may not even have the vocabulary to express themselves precisely in the mm-hmm. way that they really want to true so rather than react to specific sentences that people are saying or just half a thought i've learned to allow people to express themselves maybe ask a few follow up questions which is also always a hazard of the job right it's like true. you have a you have a sentence <laughs> i have three questions to ask you for every sentence that you say true um but i would i think that it's put me in a less combative space in general in life definitely am i allowed to ask you how you figured all of this out so all of this so wherever i can give my graphological okay. tidbits i'm doing but okay. graphology is a collection of almost 800 strokes mm-hmm. not like we have only 52 letters but you know the combination each right. we have 52 types of writing only the small letter t now when you have two three styles mm-hmm. like that you start finding the combination of it okay. and then talk about each trait so it's it's poetic and it's beautiful and it's mathematical and it's gone and on <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating So over to you what questions do you have for me Well I wanted to ask you first since you're able to diagnose my personality through the way I'm writing mm-hmm. uh is it possible for people to change their personality using their writing So personality I call it you know I, I keep saying this but personality is a process Right. So what you understand as your personality today mm-hmm. won't be true after 2 years and wasn't true 2 years ago as we are talking about you know as a teenager you were different and now you have right. changed so personality has evolved mm-hmm. the point is can we look at it as a as a mechanism as a weapon as a as a machine mm-hmm. that we can fine tune to achieve the kind of results we want to achieve the, to achieve the kind of experience we want to have with it right if you feel you get triggered in a certain way mm-hmm. and if your handwriting reflects that then mm-hmm. we really want to look at those triggers and see what is the correlating behavior underneath that mm-hmm. and can we change those handwriting strokes is where the the beauty of this subject is right. so we can't change everything like you cannot sure. turn a rose into a lotus right. by stretching the petals and none of that is happening right. so i'm very careful about it because sometimes people are like okay give me a personality of a creative person or an engineer oh, like, okay. you can't do that course, you cannot yeah. build change everything about you but can you fine tune yes can you really use this uh, this process is non uh intrusive in a way that i would not talk to you about lot of issues and where it came from and why it happened and right. look at the stroke and see where the the behavior is coming from mm. probably talk to you to understand where the challenge is and then use graphotherapy to resolve it so there is such a thing as uh, being able to resolve certain issues perhaps key issues using handwriting so it's almost like a yes. therapeutic tool yes and i i have spent most of my career researching the subject of graphotherapy mm-hmm. where you actually after changing the strokes within 45 days mm-hmm. you start seeing a a different personality altogether and people are like oh my god my personality has changed but it is changing <laughs> anyway you just guided it in a manner that now it is working yeah. in a way that you want it to yeah it's funny that you say this because um, you know how in school we would have the scouts and guides you remember that <laughs> so you had to do at least you know 300 years ago when i was a kid we had to do this social work and right. we had a we had a placard on which we had to write the names of the people who for whom we did the 
work. work. And they had to, yeah, they had to write their names, how much money they gave us because they would... Right, I remembered walking it, around so. with those cards. Yeah, yeah of exactly. course. First of all, how crazy is it that people would allow their kids to go into complete strangers' homes and perform like manual labor uh, <laughs> and un- unattended, right? Like, right. Content, which is, I mean, if you told people this today, they'd be like, did no. you even have parents? <laughs> <laughs> Invariably, we would, you know, we would successfully accomplish maybe three or four, you know, uh, tasks. tasks. And then the rest, we just had to kind of make up and bribe our parents to give us <laughs> the money because you had a target, right? Sure. Like any good salesperson, you had a target. <laughs> so I remember writing, trying to write, in, like pretend to be various people, right? right. And, and, you know, try to uh, prove my liberal credentials by having people from every community and <laughs> all of that. And as much as I, and I would try to change my handwriting and I found that the sometimes if, you know, the only way to successfully do it was if I were to really imagine what this person was like. Mm-hmm. Like if I wrote, whatever, Mr. Khanna, I would like imagine in my head this grumpy old man and only then would I successfully be able to create a new style of writing. There's new font. Like, yeah. Otherwise, it would just be like a crooked version of the same thing, you know, uh, which I found was interesting. So I was almost breathing life into these characters purely through handwriting. And the only way to successfully was to actually imagine them in my head and give them a personality and, you know, give them a little bit of a background. I can just listen to what you're saying. You're saying it one very beautifully. Also, it's such a poetic thought that you had to imagine the, the character of the person yeah. to bring that grumpiness in your own way right. in handwriting. Yeah. Or at no, least blame I, my grumpiness on, on Mr. Khanna. <laughs> it's inherently me being grumpy. But if you look at it, graphologically, if you look at a clumsy handwriting formation, mm-hmm. you feel that way, right? If you see a lot of angular stroke, you feel the aggression of the writer. Mm. So it is always present. If you right. see disconnected writing, you can look at that page and say, okay, this person must be scattered in his thinking too. So mm. we all have those uh, behavior and stroke correlations in our minds already. Right. Somebody, I believe... Four five hundred years ago, decided to take that that correlation or the the fanciful thought seriously. Mm. Started doing research behind this, but I agree with you. People do express their emotions in in the, these manners at a mm. larger level. But you know how fever we know this could be the problem that could correct. be the symptom. Correct. But yeah. a doctor would look at it from a different perspective altogether. Mm. So you're correct in your imagination for sure. <laughs> okay, awesome. So you mentioned triggers, right? right? Does my handwriting give you any clues to what triggers me? Okay. Yes, it does. One of the <laughs> most <laughs> most common things that you cannot stand mm-hmm. is excuses. <laughs> okay. If people come up with real reasons of why things didn't happen and how they made these mistakes, you're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, you understand, oh, things went wrong, whatever. Right. But when people try to build these stupid stories, mm. and you can see through most of them, mm. you just cannot stand, you just get triggered. For you, in general, mm. trust is at a, at a larger level is an important idea. Yeah. You work towards it, you build it, you make sure that the other person proves you right over and over again. So building trust and delivering on the trust that you've built mm-hmm. matters to you. 
And that is your internal accountability score that you have. Right. Now, if somebody falters on that and if they try to come up with all these things, which most of the time they do because they cannot convince you. however when that happens people feel awkward they feel lost they really really struggle Mm. come up with reasons and then according to you you become you one you get triggered also you become judgmental about how could Mm. you lie to me and then there is a spiral that you go through that definitely triggers you right i would agree i uh, for me trust and ethics is very important, like whether that's, uh, you know, in relationships, in relationships of all varieties, you know, right. like, uh, friendships, uh, professional relationships, romantic relationships. And I would like to believe that I'm a forgiving person. I'm, you know, I, I believe in the concept of forgiveness. I was about to say, <laughs> yes, we'll stick to the concept line. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, to take a chance and, and give people second chances. Mm-hmm. But I don't like being lied to because as you said, there's, it almost feels like more than even uh, the lie itself. It's almost like an insult to my intelligence. And that for me is a little more unforgivable that you thought okay. you would get away with it. You know, I'd much rather you just spared us this song and dance and just give it to me straight, you know? Mm-hmm. And because I've been told, which I'm sure you already know from my handwriting, that I have a, shall I say, uh, the word is intimidating. A lot of people tell me that when we first met you, we were very intimidated by you or when we spoke to you on the phone. And I'm like, me? (laughs) (laughs) But it's been told to me often enough that I, high and high, I can't believe you, I'm intimidating. (laughs) As a result of which people with perhaps softer personalities feel like they can't take the time to think about what they need to say and how to phrase it properly. And they just sort of, you know, come up with something in the moment, which, as you said, it just creates this vicious cycle where I'm like, you're lying. You're not someone I can trust. Uh, Yeah. So can you, can you see that I've been accused of being intimidating, even though I'm like so gentle (laughs) through Uh, my handwriting? uh, Gentle? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yes, let's, let's let's define this whole idea of intimidating. Right. When a woman does not agree and does not sugarcoat what she wants to say, mm. and when she says no and means it, it's very difficult for men and women to deal mm. with that kind of a person. Correct. Because we are given this role and we're supposed to fit that box. And it's not that you work very hard to not fit that box. Definitely, that's not the case. And that's where probably you have this idea of gentleness. (laughs) (laughs) An illusion, a fantasy. Uh, Agreed. (laughs) But when it comes to your acute observations, your ability to process information and, and come up with exactly, articulate what exactly you want to say, when that happens, people feel that there is no scope for them to argue, defend mm-hmm. themselves. And this is where the intimidation is seen by them. Correct. Right? Are you intimidating? You have low threshold <laughs> stupidities. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> this is a warning. <laughs> yes. So make sure that you test yourself before you come in front of me. <laughs> You know, so I always tell my team, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Like if someone has a genuine doubt, I'm in fact very happy when people ask questions in the 
course of communication. What I don't like is when you don't learn from the question that you asked and then you just kind of transfer that responsibility to the person who you're asking the question to. Right. You know what I mean? Because like none of us were born knowing the things that we do. True. But once you're told, then you should be able to assimilate that information, metabolize it and use it. So I would say so that's here is, my, hmm, So here is a point. So many times we understand a situation and what people should do from our internal frame of reference. Correct. Yeah. Right? So because you're quick at understanding, learning, adapting, Mm-hmm. And also problem solving. When you look at other people, you think these qualities are one must. And secondly, so simple. Right. Why is it a problem? How could right. you have a problem with this? Like this is something, <laughs> you know, I did it when I was 13 year old. What, what are you struggling with? But this is the part of feeling intimidated by you. Mm. When they feel that they won't be accepted for their flaws or, you know, you're okay until you're okay. And when you're not okay, suddenly the whole situation will become different. Mm. That makes you slightly unpredictable for them. Mm. That's interesting because literally this is the exact same thing I keep telling my boyfriend. That just because it's easy for you to understand doesn't mean that you know everyone understands it. But I think what I've learned in my journey of being a team leader is that perhaps the most important thing is to communicate clearly. Mm-hmm. Because I think... That's where a lot of, as you said, right? Like it, it may be easy for me to understand. And the only way to help other people get to the same page so that we all arrive at the same page and we are all aware of what is required is to communicate clearly, precisely, reiterate sometimes to the point of repeating yourself ad nauseum, which I was about to say, I think the most important part about relationships and people is about repeating yourself mm. over and over and over again, patiently. Correct. You start losing your calm and if it starts showing on your face, then, oh my <laughs> God, why can't you get it and rolling your eyes, then people, <laughs> people do feel uncomfortable. Right. That's the, the most important aspect of parenting I have come to realize from people mm-hmm. also of relationships that if you take their lack of understanding or inability to comprehend something personally, mm-hmm. then that's the problem. Right. This and is you do that mask, a lot. I do. And this is why masks are especially useful because it covers <laughs> enough of my face that, you know. Not your eyes. Not rolling of eyes, by the way. <laughs> Sunglasses and masks. I'm just going to okay. go everywhere like that. Because yeah, I, I have no poker face. I, it's uh, often in situations like this, like now we are recording this as video, right? And I'm probably mm-hmm. thinking that, you know, I have a very... I have control over my facial expressions and then I'll watch the video and I'll be like, oh my God, you made like 300 facial expressions in <laughs> one minute. What is wrong with you? Like hyperactive facial muscles. But um, yeah, I have to constantly remind myself like, you know, don't give it away. Don't, don't. I think more than giving it away, I would say something very simple. When mm-hmm. we think that way, it shows on our face for sure. Right. The beauty. Way, sorry. I'm saying when you are judging somebody, they catch yes. it. Mm. When you are feeling that they're not good enough, they know it. It's not <laughs> in your expressions. I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 
it is it is in your body language it is right. you know sometimes you walk into a room where two people have just fought mm. and they're not fighting anymore they're back to their work but there is this sense of tension in the room oh my god yes you can cut it with a knife exactly right and right. and it is not about the verbal communication it's not about their body language it's just that tension mm. that exists and all of us are equipped talented enough intuitive enough to feel that kind of pressure right and that's what happens when you think about people in a certain way mm. so the the key is not to to probably hide it under a mask but probably look at where yeah. the judgment comes from <laughs> so what you're saying is i would be a terrible spy and i should definitely <laughs> not give up my day job yes okay. don't do it no <laughs> Yeah, I don't actually know where this rush to judge comes from, but if I were to take a stab at it, I feel like from a from a young age I was always in an environment where the people around me were older. And because I went to school really early, I learned to read really early, so I became very annoying mm-hmm. and then my parents were like please go to school like we can't handle you anymore. So I think that in school when you're younger and you're you know you know that especially when you're in those formative years i think you know when you're like 5 6 7 that one year age gap makes a huge difference in the way True. that it doesn't when you're in your 20s or 30s right True. so i feel like my need to assess the situation quickly to succeed in that situation i mean this is what i'm assuming i think mm-hmm. it comes from there and then it got exacerbated by the fact that i had to figure out who are my because i'm naturally a competitive person so like who is somebody i need to kind of watch out for and who is someone who i need to be aware of true um and then maybe that as i grew older just cemented and solidified and it crystallized into this personality that now makes snap judgments so i would i will break it into two parts mm-hmm. first is when you are looking at other people and when your speed of observing things and assimilating that information is really high compared mm-hmm. to other people so by mm-hmm. the time they catch up you have made the assessment now right. with assessments it's very interesting like i i say this i took one year collectively to mm-hmm. learn how to analyze people and analyze okay. handwritings another 15 years of my career and even till date i work very hard at how not to judge them this is of what i assess you know that's right. very very tough because in the mm. moment the very moment you say yellow you come up with some interpretation and then right. red you come up with another interpretation right but the very moment you drop those interpretations and see things for what they are then you won't judge you would assess mm. but at some point in your upbringing in your way of thinking the assessment and judgment became mm. you know in a way merged into each other right and this okay. is where the fundamental i think the first process second process is you are highly 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 critical of yourself okay <laughs> so when you when you have the permission to do it to yourself mm. you also feel it's only kind on my part to do it to the other person <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm doing them a favor by decimating them uh, and 
Yeah. Isn't it? You know, because it, it is personal, like you care enough about yourself. So you criticize yourself mm. because you want to improve yourself or you don't want to repeat the mistake. And when you oh. do it with the other person, you actually come from that perspective that I'm doing it so mm. that you won't fall. You won't fail. You won't go down the path that you shouldn't be going down. The only problem is the path that they shouldn't be going down is decided by you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. I think that's, uh, that is fair. I am critical, I've been told by pretty much every human who has ever <laughs> entered my orbit. Uh, I do it with the best of intentions, true. I would like to think. No, I, and that's true. Yes. And I'm telling you, like, though the style comes across as harsh yes. and pointed, it's yes. also because you write so well. So going back to the, the whole witty part of it and the discrepancy part yes. of it, you keep observing it, right? And at one point, you just can't hold yourself back from being mm. critical or sarcastic in that moment because it just leaves you before you even <laughs> realize. <laughs> yeah, I think the word is mufat, right? It just like <laughs> stumbles out of my mouth before yeah. I have a chance to catch it. I'm suddenly realizing I have, I think, learned the knack of saying the same thing in a very, very polite way. Especially you do. You do. I think I'm going to call you now. Every time I need to give someone critiques, I'm just going to be like, Aditi, how do I say this in a way that they will not cry at the end of the day? <laughs> but this has happened to me many, many, many times. People, after I spoke about the most difficult or negative part of their personality, mm. they look at me and say, Acha, abhi kuch negative na. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I just spoke last 15 minutes. We only spoke about this one flaw that you need to improve on. Right, it's right. just that yeah, assessment without judgment has its own cost to pay. Right, it's a, it's a positive vocabulary that you use, which is uh, very commendable. Um, what I have learned to do to, I would say, pad the impact of some of the sentences is to issue qualifiers before and after. So I'll be like, you know, you have to do this. But, you know, if you choose to do it another way, that, that's also okay. But maybe you want to consider and so, just today, in fact, I was talking to one of my closest friends and very animatedly describing the path of action I thought she could take. And every five minutes I had to be like, yes, but you know, I totally respect what you want to do. And she, every time I said this, she kept laughing because she's like, you don't right. have to try doing this with me. She's like, I know you don't mean a word of it. I'm like, no, 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 I do. I do. I would much if you see through it. <laughs> I mean, people who know me well, people who know me well, uh, I think the other thing is I get too heavily invested in other people's well-being, well-being and decisions. And, you know, I like I actually lose sleep thinking about how they should do something. And it was it may have been a casual mention. They would have been like, you know, this is a problem. And it, like for me, it's like, OK, how can I help them fix it now? So. <laughs> How? So I have to I have to look at your writing sample to just describe the trait you spoke about. Okay. When you write your letter S, there's uh-huh. this long tail right. before you reach the actual letter formation. Correct. Now that yeah. long tail, if anybody uh, with that trait in your writing, it's also applicable to you. And this is given, this is 100% applicable, whether you know this or not, you do take other people's unnecessary responsibilities on your head, Mm. fret about it, try and help them. You know, it's Mm. like that story that I tried helping a blind woman cross the road and she started hitting me. (laughs) Why? Because she never wanted to cross the road. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you do that quite a bit. You you so many times look at their situation and find the optimum solution, mm. which they may or may not be ready for. Correct. And thereby, you believe that if they're not ready, let me do it for you. Let me figure it out. <laughs> it's so simple. And that's how you do right. play the role. Right. Play the part of being a friend. Now you have great friends in spite of all the behaviors of criticism and other things we describe <laughs> because mm. because at the end of the day they know that you will have their back mm. at the end of the day they're like you know people won't say things uh, because they want to be socially right politically right and this right and that mm. right but if they talk to you and if they present their problem you will describe the situation in a complete objective and also mm. black and white kind of a compartmentalized way of looking at the situation because you realize like, okay, if I have to talk to you, I might as well add value. Otherwise, what's the <laughs> Yes, that is exactly true. Uh, <laughs> I, one of my friends is describing it as having a very high acquaintance threshold and a very low friend threshold, which is essentially, <laughs> I have an intimidating facade. And so mm-hmm. it takes, I mean, very few people are able to pass that facade. But true. unlike most people, I find it easy to make close friends, you know, at every stage of life. I'm not one of those people who's like, I've made my 10 best friends and I don't need any more friends. Right? No, no. True. Um, but you're right. If I am going to be participating in conversation, then there's, it, it's almost, it's dichotomous in the sense that I'm like, okay, you're taking my time. So I'm going to add value. And also I feel like I'm taking your time. So I need to bring value. I need to be mm-hmm. memorable, true. you know, true. I, don't want you to exit this interaction having not gained anything from it. True. There's a performative aspect to that. Which, <laughs> I don't know. I would like to believe it's genuine. I think more than performative, it is about the trust mm. that you have taken so much of time to build and you want to deliver on that trust. Right. So you want your friend to trust you to be by his or her side to solve mm. the problem with them. You know, but on that note, I want to take our conversation to our next segment, which is called Autograph, Please. Okay. Now, signatures talk about your public image and handwriting talks about who you are. Mm -hmm. Now, all of us have these public images. You know, we're talking about this facade that you described just now. But all of us have some or the other image that we carry knowingly or unknowingly. Right. The problem happens when the gap goes unconscious, the go- mm-hmm. gap goes beyond our control or unknowingly we start behaving in a certain way. Right. Now I'm looking at your signature and I want to talk about that gap, which leads to misunderstandings in different ways with different people, especially okay. in social and public scenarios. So if you can right. think of anything, please give us a story that we can you know, remember and associate with. <laughs> okay. Now, sure. The important stroke in your signature is where you end your final letter in your surname mm-hmm. and then the stroke goes back all the way to the first letter Correct. and moves completely forward and goes beyond the signature. Okay, right. Okay. So when you are in public and mm. if if you or your team or anybody you call yours mm. makes any sort of mistake, mm. you become first completely protective. Mm. And instead of like being objective, the way I describe your true personality to be, you mm. become completely protective, slightly emotional, and then critical about the same situation to yourself and the people. Because as I described the stroke that comes back all the way, almost mm. hitting you and the people you care about, and then move forward with 
with force, with speed to mm. resolve the problem, to get yeah. to the solution, to kind of keep everything under control. And in the bargain, mm. you have landed up upsetting people. You have kind of, you know, stepped on wrong feet. I can't even say foot. You know, <laughs> so many people there. Only to protect the people you care about. Mm. Right. I'm trying to think of an example and perhaps I, I blocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> so the, yeah. the need to, to take care of the situation is so mm. high. It's like literally making sure that everybody in this game, in this situation mm. is protected from the outcome. Right. I have a very literal example. I don't know if that, I mean, that was more of a physiological reaction as opposed to a as, as opposed to a psychological reaction. I'll tell you the story anyway. So when I was very young, um, my sister, who I didn't really like very much at the time, I changed my thought on that. Like, we're very close now. But she was uh, very annoying. By her own admission, this is not me. Uh, okay. We, we, were, <laughs> we were returning home from school and she was walking up the stairs backwards. And like I said, you know, I have... Uh, I, I think, thankfully, the ability to think on my feet and react. Right. So as you said, sometimes goes the right way. Sometimes, I mean, so you said that it, uh, I feel this need, protective need, right? Which then right. often derails the situation. But so she was walking up the stairs in front of me and she was walking backwards because she was narrating some story that I had less than zero interest in. <laughs> so I was sort of looking down and she's walking backwards and jabbering away. And as she reached the top of the stairs, I noticed a shadow on the stairs. And as I lifted my head, I realized that there was a cobra. Please bear in mind, I'm from Goa. Oh. So this is not a fake story. Oh <laughs> so my God. There was a cobra that had seen us and it had raised its hood. And my dear sister, walking backwards, stepped oh on the cobra on its head. Oh. And... I, I don't know, there was some sort of survival instinct that kicked in and she was five or six, which means I would, I was 11. And okay. I just reached forward, grabbed what the, I mean, literally all I could get was her uh, hair because that, uh, because that's the only thing I could reach. And I just dragged her down the flight of stairs, literally like she's, her body is slamming down the stairs. My God. At some point her hair slipped out of my hand and she's screaming and she's like screaming in this, in this whole, because she obviously thinks I'm assaulting her. She doesn't realize <laughs> that I'm saving her life. True. Uh, and then grabbed her collar, dragged her out. And I was just, so like I said, it's a, it was a physiological reaction, but I, I, I don't know if this really makes sense to this. But it does. And it's exactly what I'm trying to say, because you were trying to protect, but right. people in the situation kind of retaliate, right. believing that this is done forcefully. This mm-hmm. shouldn't be done in this manner. Right. Now apply this to any situation psychologically. <laughs> right, right, right. Makes sense. Yeah, I was not pleased with the fact that she was, uh, she put us in that situation either. I was like, can't you just walk normally? <laughs> Who walks backwards? But um, yeah, I think there is a rush to help people without perhaps fully giving them the liberty to reject my help, which happens often enough. Yeah. Definitely. And I think, I think that's the point I was trying to make mm. because m- your efforts and you, you you do evaluate yourself on the basis of how much did I do? What mm-hmm. contribution did I make? 
you know, that's your major evaluation mm. metrics, if I may say. And okay. you keep improving it without keeping in mind whether the other person really needed that help and in the process. And I must give my own example. So many times, you know, after studying people so much, you can see the trends and you can see the patterns. Mm-hmm. And when people close to you speak in a certain manner and you really want them to progress, I caught myself being critical of them right. only because I didn't want them to fall. Mm. And in the bargain, I landed up spoiling these relationships mm. in order to help them. And then there were no relationships left for me to help them <laughs> because they're like, oh my God, this was so tough. This was so critical. Yeah. And and as a, as a person, I behave like that. You know, for me, I have my whatever standards and I keep reinventing myself. It took some awareness and a lot of work for me to realize if the end goal of the situation is to help the other person, mm. then it also has to be done in a manner that they will enjoy the process. Correct. That simple awareness that some teacher brought for me mm. just shifted the way I interacted. Right. No, that is, that is very insightful. And I think just having the patience to ask, how can I help perhaps is a tool that you could use. And if the person says, I don't need your help or no, nothing, then just have being able to sit down and. I, I don't think that tool will work for you. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I don't know what I can Yeah, do but it's unnatural. I, I would say that instead of doing it, if you can try giving mm. three options to people, right. say these are the three options I can help you with. Mm. Would you like any one of them? Because you have done the problem, you have done your role or job of solving the problem and coming up with solutions, which you mm-hmm. cannot stop yourself from. And <laughs> okay. at the same time, you have given them a choice to right. choose from. Correct. But if you don't do your job, you're going to feel guilty keeping mm-hmm. the speed at which you function. So that patience and all of that is not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's excellent advice. Thank you. I will, uh, I will definitely take that as a tool. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. I think it was, it was poetic. It was beautiful. And also anybody who have learned about themselves that they're intimidating. I think through this conversation, they got to see other aspects of it. So I'm right. very, very happy with this. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, Aditi. I feel like this, the time has just flown by. So thank you. Thank have, you. A, have a wonderful year. A small little signature can speak about you, your parents, your relationship with them, their relationship with one another, your work style, your social skills, your financial decision making, your confidence levels, your leadership styles, and much more. So here is a specific meaning of your first name being overlapped by other letters in your signature. What does it mean? Wait, wait, I'll discuss that on the other side of this short break. Stay tuned. Whether you're an established sports person or a budding one, or simply a sports enthusiast, Join us, Tanvi and Shlok. We are two passionate pro badminton players talking policy, mindset and everything sport. So tune in to the Millennial Athlete every Monday. Only on the IVM Podcast Network. Trust us, it's going to be lit. Parenting is a tough journey. If you are a parent, then you already know this. No matter how hard you try, you feel as if you're going to damage your child in some or the other manner. If you are an adult, then you are already aware of this fact that most of your therapy sessions will be spent in discussing the impact of your parents and their personality on your life and your personality. Best-selling author of the book, The Conscious Parenting, Dr. Shefali says, every interaction with our children is a reflection of our own relationship with ourselves, which also means that we all are shaped 
not only by the way our parents looked at us but the way they looked at themselves we all have borrowed or even stolen parts of our parents personality we signed up to their belief systems we aped their mannerisms we followed their value systems and even enrolled for their social values in the graphology tool of the week i will be talking about the dominating impact of your parents personality on yours though we are all influenced by our parents the degree of impact varies from family to family in some houses moms run the show in others fathers have the final verdict some parents divide their responsibilities and influence equally and in a few places both parents are equally unavailable they say no matter how old you become you carry your parents within you graphologically speaking i cannot agree more to that statement let me show you how imagine a fictitious boy by the name harry james potter <laughs> very unique you haven't heard of that name before isn't it now listen carefully if the letter h in his signature is overlapped by the first letter in his surname which is potter for p then harry feels overpowered by his mother overlapping of your name especially of the first letter of your first name is an important point in the subject of signature analysis when children feel controlled by their parents to this degree that their signatures also represented then that is the area to look at when these kids grow up to become adults they feel subjugated and even repressed by people around them they take a subservient position in their relationship with their spouses and then feel dominated by the spouse most of us land up doing this we project our inner complications on our spouses and blame them for not being able to fill the gaps in our own personalities it's kind of a tough job in some situations like these people fight believing that the flaw lies with the partner in most cases people grow resentful of their partners without knowing that the job of fixing the situation lies in their hand in such situations a tool like graphology can come handy it can show you the real mirror for you to understand where the damage is coming from thank you so much for joining me on this episode of absolutely right i hope this information has added value to your life in the next episode on our friday relationship series the topic will be around paying attention in your relationship you know when you are with that one special person In the initial phases it's all about being seen feeling special feeling celebrated being noticed but as people grow older in their relationship they feel taken for granted not seen not heard at all they grow resentful of one another let's talk about a few signs and ways to build a healthy relationship with someone who was once the most favorite person of your life as announced earlier in this lovely romantic month of february Give your partner a gift of understanding and empathy. Attend a relationship workshop called Rediscover Yourself in Love at 3 p.m. on 14th of Feb. And graphology-based couple analysis sessions that you can book anytime called You and I. The details are available on my website, aditisurana.com. And if you are truly fascinated by my world of graphology and wish to know more about personalities, people, handwriting strokes and signatures, then join me for our graphology masterclass. Our new batches start on the first Saturday of every month. Our next two batches will be starting on 6th of March and 3rd of April 2021. If you like this podcast, then don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on IVM Network. You can listen to us on the IVM Podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IVM Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Let's connect on Friday. Till then, happy writing.
नमस्कार डियर फ्रेंड्स माई नेम इज आशीष विद्यार्थी लाइफ एज यू नो इज अ जर्नी इन यू एन आई ट्रेवलर्स हाउ कैन वी सेलिब्रेट दिस ट्रेवल आई हैव अ पॉडकास्ट फॉर यू बिगिन द जर्नी आई शेयर स्टोरीज एंड मोमेंट्स फ्रॉम माई लाइफ डू ट्यून इन एवरी मंडे एंड थर्सडे टू लिसन टू माई पॉडकास्ट ऑन द आई वी एम पॉडकास्ट वेबसाइट एप और वेर एवर यू गेट योर पॉडकास्ट फ्रॉम चर्स If you love cricket, listen up. The Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast is here for you. Hosted by DJ Varun and me Ashwin, we bring a fun, fresh fans point of view to talking all things cricket. Sometimes it's just the three of us, sometimes we have guests including current and former international cricketers. For new episodes every week, check out the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast on the IVM app, website or wherever you get your podcasts.